It's time to talk about Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. And now, here's Ira. Take me out to the ball game. As long as there's a stadium, will there be one for the Oakland A's in Las Vegas? Well, plans and authorization are moving very quickly. We are going to look at the impact on Las Vegas, both financially and otherwise. My guest has been following the action for a while, and he now steps up to the plate. He's Alan Snell, whose popular website, lvsportsbiz.com, reports the business side of Las Vegas' expanding sports industry. For everything about Alan Snell and LV Sports Biz, go to lvsportsbiz.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at LV Sports Biz. And Al, welcome back to the show. It's great to be here, Ira. Thank you. Well, I guess bottom line, will there be a stadium, and will it be on the side of the Tropicana? You're the man. Well, um, we don't know. It's going to come down to the Nevada legislature. The bill has been filed. It's Senate Bill 509 specifies $380 million in public assistance to help the Oakland Athletics construct a 30,000-seat, $1.5 billion retractable roof stadium on the site of the current Tropicana Hotel Casino. So to me, it's a coin toss. It's 50-50. When you ask the government, when you ask the public for millions of dollars to help build professional sports venues. It's inherently controversial. You're dealing with teams and businesses that are owned by some of the most rich people in your community, and you're giving them public assistance and public subsidies. And that, by definition, to me, is controversial. I've covered this topic in five different markets. The communities deal with them differently, and it comes down to how the community perceives the the team and the stadium or arena in terms of the economic impact, and also what's really important in terms of the way they define and identify their community. Well, T-Mobile Arena, it's obviously successful. It was financed completely privately. Allegiant Stadium, while it was relying on a $750 million public funding via room tax, it brought with it a historic football franchise and a better college football experience for the UNLV Rebels. How will a 30,000-seat capacity ballpark, which is evidently smallest in the Major League Baseball, with a proposed, as you mentioned, $380 million public funding component, fit into this overall matrix? Well, what's interesting is that I'm not sure the baseball park will necessarily bring any new business that would have otherwise not come to Las Vegas which is different from the Raiders stadium. You have events that coming to that are coming to the Raiders stadium specifically and only because the stadium is there with that capacity to host the event. Obviously a Super Bowl, a Final Four, big major concerts that in the past have bypassed the Las Vegas market, they come to the Raiders stadium. Now the thing about the Oakland Athletics proposed baseball park You'll have 81 home dates, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. That's part of the schedule. But if they do host concerts or any other events, Ira, these are concerts that could have been held at other venues here in the Las Vegas market. So I can't say from an economic standpoint, 
they're bringing in events that would have normally bypassed Las Vegas because the event could have gone anywhere to, they could have gone to Allegiant uh, Stadium, which is the home of the Raiders, if it could fit into T-Mobile or even MGM Grand Garden Arena. Uh, in fact, there's a very, this weekend, there's a prominent pro wrestling event, AEW, which is being held at T-Mobile Arena on Sunday. And then just a few days ago, you had it at Grand Garden Arena. So my point is that I'm not sure that the Athletics Baseball Park, even though they've mentioned having concerts and such, it's not like the concerts could not be held in Las Vegas if it wasn't for the baseball park. So you're talking about 81 home dates. The Oakland Athletics, uh, in a press release, they maintain that they believe it, it can draw 2.5 million people. That would mean drawing actually more than the 30,000 seats that you have at the baseball park. So there are a little fuzzy mathematics there, but <laughs> honestly, that's par for the course. I mean, in terms of teams trying to convince communities to politically fork over public money, sometimes the mathematics get, let's be polite here, just be a little fuzzy. Play devil's counter advocate or counter devil's advocate, would you? And explain what would be the positive results of having this baseball stadium here? Well, you would have uh, MLB presence here. And, you know, you would probably get some tourism during the week for maybe, you know, three-game homes, you know, three-game sets when they play other major league teams. I would suspect when the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Cubs and the Red Sox and the Giants, when MLB's most high-profile teams come to town, you'll probably see that ballpark fill to capacity at 30,000. So you will have some tourism, and that could add to the economy. But guess what? When the Marlins or the Rays or the Blue Jays or the Reds or some of these other small or the Pirates, some of the smaller market teams that aren't doing too well, that don't have really big national followings, you might find it a challenge to fill that ballpark on a Tuesday evening or on a Wednesday uh, afternoon for a getaway or a Thursday getaway uh, game. So it's not, I, I don't suspect that every single game will be a sellout. I think the, the games against the big high profile brand MLB teams will be very popular. Also keep in mind, Ira, that new baseball parks in general uh, do enjoy kind of a honeymoon period for about a year or two where People will just want to come and check it out. Keep in mind that this baseball park will be attracting tourists and the competition for the baseball games aren't necessarily other sports events. They're the Cirque du Soleil and the Blue Man Group and the Carrot Top and some of the other events on the Strip. And... I don't know about you, but I have not seen MGM Resorts and Caesars and some of the other major hotels on the Strip come out and do like a big war dance in favor of this baseball park. Because the fact is they might be getting some new tourists. There might be some tourists who would be just simply displacing other visitors who normally would be there this week. And also keep in mind the baseball games will be in direct competition well, if they're not necessarily supportive of it, who is and why is there such a intense pressure to 
approve the public financing and to bring it to the Tropicana, which also opens up issues of traffic and congestion, which we can talk about as well. Well, you've raised a really good point, Ara, and that is the state legislators. And that is, what exactly is the motivation for state lawmakers to go at a breakneck speed, fast track process to get the funding through for the Oakland Athletics? The Athletics received approval in Oakland back in May of 2018 with the port there to build this big $12 billion mixed-use project at Howard Terminal. It included the baseball park for the athletics. That was five years ago. They've been negotiating for five (laughs) years in the Oakland market. And then here, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, a couple months or two, not only did they begin negotiating with the state lawmakers only, you know, a few weeks ago, a few months ago, they actually changed the location of the baseball park while the negotiations are going on. And if you read the Senate bill 509, it is not specific to any site, too. So even though people have mentioned the Tropicana site at the corner of Las Vegas Boulevard and Tropicana Avenue, which just happens to be, I believe, like the second busiest intersection yeah. in Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah. You raised a really great point, Aaron, and that is where is the mobility plan? Where is the parking, transportation, infrastructure plan for this baseball park? You know, we only on Friday, just a day or two ago, was the first time we actually saw a physical rendering of the baseball park on, and how it fits on the site. Keep in mind the athletics and their advocates and their representatives have been mentioning that it was going to be on a nine-acre section of the 35-acre Tropicana Hotel site. If you look at the renderings, it's rather obvious it's taking up a lot more than one-fourth of the entire site. In fact, it begins at one corner of the site and kind of runs diagonally to the corner. It kind of head, it kind of look, you kind of have views of MGM Grand and New York, New York out, you know, beyond the ballpark. And there's kind of walkways and other ballpark related facilities that kind of stretch from one corner of the property to the other. So obviously, you know, we talked about maybe some of the fuzzy numbers offered by the athletics. Here's a case where they mentioned nine acres of the site would be reserved for the, for the baseball park. And if you looked at the renderings that have received a lot of publicity, obviously it's not nine acres. And I guess the parking would be out on the field. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows where home plate will be at this point. But well, um, became- <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, the, you know, this will impact MGM Resorts International because across the street, is a constellation of parking garages. In fact, that's how, as you know, that's how T-Mobile Arena works. When when MGM Resorts and AEG partnered up to build, like you said, a privately financed arena for 18,000 people, they were relying on existing parking garages that mm-hmm. were right next to the arena. You know, you had New York, New York, you had Excalibur garages, Yet Park uh, MGM, yet Ari. I mean, you, you had a, a small cluster of garages that were already in place, and that's what the that's what the builders, uh, MGM Resorts International, along with AEG envisioned, and it has functioned and worked out okay. Eighteen thousand people do get in and out for Golden Knight games. Now we're talking about thirty thousand people. So um, I have not seen any parking plans. I don't know about you, but um, the bill, 
I did, I looked at the bill. I didn't I didn't see any very you know very elaborate kind of infrastructure discussion at all in the Senate bill. Going back to the point about MGM Grand and other gaming giants, I and mean, MGM is obviously the largest employer. If they were opposed to it, wouldn't there be some resistance in the state legislature regarding this bill? And so maybe they have a passive resistance to it. But well, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying they're that they, they're against it. I just haven't seen big outward advocacy style mm-hmm. campaigning by. By the big hotel chains, like you saw when the Raiders stadium was going through its process. The Raiders stadium was a completely different animal. It had the backing uh, of the governor at the time, Brian Sandoval, who was backed by probably the most powerful person in Las Vegas at the time, Sheldon Adelson. And Adelson helped the Raiders get that stadium built. You had Sheldon Adelson and, uh, and MGM Resorts and Caesars on board with adding more more of a charge to their hotel bills. As you know, you mentioned the hotel room tax. That is mm-hmm. the funding source. You know, speaking of funding sources, it would also be helpful. It would be helpful for the athletics as, long, as well as the legislators who are backing this bill to tell the public what is the funding sources for the $380 million in public assistance. They had mentioned $180 million in state bonds, and $120 million in Clark County bonds that would be sold. But what is the debt repayment on these two sets of bonds? How much money would be owed? And most importantly, Ira, what are the funding sources to pay off the debt? We know what it is for the Raider Stadium. It is that $0.88 charge on every $100 that you spend on a room here in Southern Nevada. But... There has not been much information. There was some uh, specified sports and entertainment uh, district that would be created that would include the baseball park. Typically, items sold within that district would have a special charge, and that money would be collected and would go toward paying off the public share of the construction bill. But that has not really been very specified. I think the public needs to know. And and speaking about the public – you know, it's really interesting. In some communities, these stadium and arena proposals are actually public votes. We saw one just in Tempe, Arizona. In fact, there's talk about the Arizona Coyotes having to leave Arizona because the people of Tempe, uh, should they, the voters of Tempe, v- voted against a proposed an Arizona Coyotes arena deal in Tempe. That was voted down by the public. My point is that this thing has moved so quickly and so fast that, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we're still we're still wondering if there's actually going to be a vote in the legislature. It's conceivable, the door is open, that this particular bill could be brought up even in a special session. There's no guarantee that this bill will be voted on before the state legislature adjourns June fifth. So um, I think the athletics obviously would like a positive vote, but from what I understand. I reported over the weekend that the first step is that Senate Bill 509 heads to the Finance Committee, and then it would move on to the full legislature for a vote. And if it's not, and keep in mind, you probably heard some other news about the governor, Joe Lombardo, saying that, you know, he has his five core issues that need to be covered by the state legislature. And there was talk about how 
you know, he's not going to stand for any kind of uh, budget, you know, hanky panky by the Democratic controlled, you know, two houses in the state legislature. So, you know, there's other stuff going on that could kind of sidetrack this uh, athletics bill as well. So my point is that the public, you know, the public has had very little input on this. And, you know, like I said, in some towns, you actually have a public vote. <laughs> We're not going to see that for sure in Las Vegas from your or Clark County. From your reporting, Alan, are there any organized groups or organized opposition to the Oakland A's coming to town? Or not necessarily them coming to town, but the building of the stadium and using tax money? Right. You made a good distinction. Most people in Las Vegas, I think, are in favor of Major League Baseball and the Oakland Athletics having a baseball park. I don't think you have much opposition to that. Where you run into the opposition is the government public assistance and money that is being talked about in a bill to help pay for the athletics to build their stadium. That's where you're running into the opposition. I have not seen a formal anti-subsidy group that's been formed. Sometimes you'll see these tax watchdog groups in different markets Mm -hmm. that are formed and uh, in some cases they'll they'll actually uh, file lawsuits to stop any kind of pending legislation. But what's interesting, I got to tell you, Ira, you know, I've written, I was looking at my site, I've, I've cataloged more than a dozen byline stories in the last few weeks. If, if people want background on this issue, lvsportsbiz.com. On the right column, there is a litany of links to stories I've written in the last few weeks about this topic. And the biggest reaction I've gotten is not from people here in Las Vegas. It's actually Oakland. Oakland people are very engaged on this issue. They comment much more than locals. I mean, the locals do have an opinion, don't get me wrong, but the folks in the Oaklands and uh, Bay Area have engaged in this issue a lot. In fact, there is an anti-group that is telling people no Nevada money, and that is a guy who created the uh, the website, who lives in the Oakland area. He is a Oakland Athletics fan, and he has created, I, I believe it's called No Nevada Tax, No Nevada Money, or something like that, for to oppose any kind of public subsidy here in the state of Nevada for the baseball park. So in answer to your question, there is a group. It's just not based here in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. What's been the reaction of the rest of the media in town to the possibility of, A, again, the Oakland A's coming here, and B, what's more important is using tax dollars to build right. a stadium? Right. So to me, uh, people should understand my background is that I'm a city hall reporter, and I cover this story as if it's a public policy issue. I'm not a sports writer, and I'm not a pure business writer per se. I am a former government and city hall reporter that covers public policy, and to me, This is a proposed law that's designating money to give to a private organization, which I've covered this topic in five different markets. And every newspaper I work for in those markets always instructed me to cover this issue very aggressively, especially the for and against positions, which I've tried to do. I've tried to be aggressive and accurate and fair, but at the same time, also a little skeptical. And quite frankly, the media is kind of across the board. I mean, you have some media. A colleague of mine is Howard Stutz at Nevada Independent. He's done a nice job covering it for them. 
And then you have, you know, other uh, sports reporters who are kind of covering it and kind of, I don't know what you'd call it, kind of, you know, perhaps rooting on, you know, the A's to get their, their baseball park because they'd like to see more sports in Las Vegas. So um, to me, the coverage has been kind of across the board. Are you able, because of your background and your sources, are you able to make contact with people in the organization that you can rely on for either confidential information or at least some insight? No, they haven't talked to anyone. John Fisher, oh, the owner, has not talked. And Dave Cavill, the president, um, does talk. He, I interviewed him on April 20th when the ballpark was proposed for the old Wild Wild West site on the west side of the interstate. But I mean, John Fisher, the owner, is reclu- reclusive. One of my future stories will be comparing him to Mark Davis. Mark Davis right now has spent his time going to his Las Vegas Aces game. He sits courtside and talks to everyone. I have lots of photos. Of, in fact, I have a photograph of Mark Davis at a preseason Raiders game where he's signing his autograph on a fan's hand, and he will talk to people. John Fisher is MIA. He will not talk to fans. He doesn't talk to – it's not just fans. He doesn't talk to anyone. Alan, from a PR perspective, though, when you're trying to get something from the state of Nevada and the citizens of the state and, and county and, and the city of Las Vegas, wouldn't you want to communicate and be in touch with media, at least through the – meaning? be in touch with people through the media in, in that location? Well, um, they don't need to because they're working for the they're, – they're, they're not trying to convince the public. You have to understand there isn't a public vote here. They just want right. state lawmakers to approve their bill. They don't have to win the, the hearts and minds of locals in Las Vegas. They don't have to talk to us. They don't have to talk to the public. They just simply need to convince a majority of people in the Senate and in the Assembly at the state legislature to pass their bill. That's their focus. And they have lobbyists and lawyers and representatives working for them. They, you know, their staff doesn't have to talk to the media because they don't, they don't even need to send out a message. But I think in the long term, doesn't that hurt them? Well, um, I don't, I don't think it really matters to them. Their focus is on passing this bill. Mm -hmm. But let's assume the bill is passed and the stadium is built and there's, congestion and there's issues with parking and there's the money and all of that and the public is not thrilled, wouldn't establishing an early connection with the public, especially in Clark County, be helpful? Well, let's go back to what the name of the bill is called. It's the Southern Nevada Tourism Innovation Act. And I underline the word tourism. Tourism is tourists and tourists are not locals. So they're pitching this whole $380 million government subsidy deal as a tourism play. Where is the locals involved? So, you know. No, that's, they're, a, that's, they're, a, that's they're, a good insight that you're giving us because I was wondering. Their, their consultant um, estimated that at least 30% of the fans going to A's games here in Las Vegas would be visitors and maybe even higher, especially if it's built on the strip. If it's built on the strip, it's going to be convenient much more to tourists who are hanging out in the hotels on the Strip than it is to locals. I mean, Well, it would be uh, very convenient to the other Tropicana Tower people that are, well, have if, rooms if you look there, at the, right? If you, if you look at the uh, rendering, all the, there's no Tropicana buildings on the site. I mean, they've demolished every building. There is 
that's the weird thing. I that, As you know, there's two very large towers right. on the site and some right. ancillary kind of buildings. I thought the, the Tropicana building closest to Las Vegas Boulevard would stay. And I thought the one in the rear of the property would be demolished. And the ballpark would be built kind of on the south side along Reno Avenue there. Kind of there's there's that road Reno that kind of is adjacent to one side of the property. And I thought it would be kind of on the east side. I thought it would be on the southeast side of that property. But if you look at the renderings, there's no Tropicana buildings. Well, that answers that the, question. Then. On the site. So, but the point is, it would be very easy in, you know, very accessible from people staying at New York, New York, MGM Grand, Excalibur, Luxor, Oyo, you know, the, the new Oyo Hotel right across the street there. So, Obviously, those people can just kind of stroll on over. But my point is that it's really a play for tourism than it is for locals. And as you know, Ira, you go to Golden Knight Games. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know what it's like to try to drive down there. Yes. It's not the most pleasant <laughs> experience for locals. So that's in why fact, I take the bus. That's kind, of, that's kind of the running joke is that right. I don't think too many local folks really enjoy going to the strip. I mean, there are locals who don't you know, go to shows and stuff. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But. I can't say, uh, let's face it, the Strip is not known for its mass transit. I mean, you have basically the RTC Deuce, which is that double-decker bus. Yeah, that's what I take when I go to the game. Yeah, that works really well. You have that. Also, keep in mind, you do RTC does run a bus from satellite location. Well, that's what I meant. I didn't mean the Deuce up and down the Strip. I meant I take a satellite bus in when we go to see games. Right, so that's that's pretty much standard. Uh, you do have uh, the monorail, which takes you kind of from where the Las Vegas Convention Center is, back there along Paradise in the Colville area, takes you to the rear part of the MGM Grand, com- you know, kind of complex mm-hmm. property. And, you know, you have that. And who knows, you know, here in Las Vegas, people are just enthralled with the concept of Teslas and tunnels. <laughs> and they think that is like, they think that's modern mass transit, you yes. know, having a Tesla in a tunnel. TNT. If you're from, you know, from, if you're from the East Coast or I'm from New York, we have plenty of tunnels. We have Lincoln Tunnel, <laughs> Holland Tunnels, where millions of vehicles go through that from Jersey to New York. So we're used to uh, getting people around via tunnels. Before I let you go, we have about a minute left. Using all your expertise and all the information you have, do you see this as definite, 90% definite, 70% definite, that this is going to be built and it will be built at the Tropicana site or some other site down the road? Well, I, I keep on going lower, I think, uh, 50-50. Okay. Um, I think to me it's a, it's a coin toss. Um, I won't you know, believe the ballpark will be built when I, uh, until the shovels hit dirt next year. The president of the team wants – uh, the baseball, he wants this thing to be approved as soon as possible by the state legislature. He wants to bring a letter to Major League Baseball for the owners meeting in mid-June in New York City. And he hopes that it's approved in mid-June to pave the way for a groundbreaking in 2024 and an opening in 2027. So when he goes to Home Depot, buys the shovels for uh, Joe Lombardo and all the state lawmakers and the county commissioners who voted for the public financing. And when those guys thrust their shovels into the dirt and and the dirt begins to move, 
then I'll say, yeah, it looks like an A's ballpark's going to be built. Well, that's a great way to leave it. My guest has been Alan Snell, whose popular website, lvsportsbiz.com, reports the business side of Las Vegas' expanding sports industry. For everything about Alan Snell and LV Sports Biz, go to lvsportsbiz.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at lvsportsbiz. And Alan, thanks for being on the show again. All right. I always enjoy talking with you. You do a great job. Thank you, and see you next time. You've been listening to Talk About Las Vegas with Ira. Each week, Ira David Sternberg talks with the celebrities, entertainers, writers, and personalities who make Las Vegas the most exciting city in the world. Yeah.